You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Just beginning. William Shatner. Take us out. Is Captain James T. Kirk. Leonard Nimoy. Is Mr. Spock. DeForest Kelly. Is Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy. James Doohan. Is Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scott. George Takei is Lieutenant Commander Sulu. Major Barrett is Dr. Christine Chapel. Walter Koenig is Lieutenant Pavel Chekhov. Michelle Nichols is Lieutenant Commander Uhura. Stephen Collins is Commander Willard Decker. Persis Kambata is Lieutenant Ilya. This Christmas from Paramount. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Geek Fest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone, and today we are going to, at first, return to a subject that I like to hit every now and then, and that is posters of the month. This particular times entries are going to be Star Trek the motion picture the movie one sheet as opposed to the uh, preview teaser poster that we talked about a few months ago this time we're looking at the actual Bob Peak what's I guess referred to sometimes as the rainbow poster we're gonna talk about the design of the poster and and the information of particularly which is something that I was always fascinated by and that is the selection of that rainbow design, the possibilities of why it was chosen and what it represents, because believe it or not, it's a little difficult to find actual first-hand information on this. Then after that, we're gonna hit an Empire Strikes Back poster that is one of those, you know, you buy a certain amount of items and you get a free poster. Well, this is one that I actually owned and it is an original. It is um, Luke Skywalker Dagobah poster from Procter and Gamble. We had these types of posters before, but this time around, 
it's a little different because I actually owned one for real. So there's a little more of a sentimental attachment or value personally for me to this poster. Then we're going to hit a second subject, and that is revenge versus vengeance. How the movie Revenge of the Jedi that became Return of the Jedi was sort of pitted against a movie called Vengeance of Khan, which became the Wrath of Khan, Star Trek II. We're going to talk about the back and forth naming battle that took place internally, especially on the Star Trek side, on the Paramount side, as to all the different name variations and the reasons why they changed back and forth. And same thing with Star Wars, you know, with Return of the Jedi eventually grew out of Revenge of the Jedi. So let's begin first off with that wonderful Star Trek The Motion Picture Bob Peak poster. You can collect them all! You are a toy! is not included. Get those wonderful toys. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Is that the Six Million Dollar Man's boss? It's Oscar Goldman. Why do you have that? That's worth a lot of money. That's much more valuable than Steve Austin. Action figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Some assembly required. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have three of each, one to display, one to open, and one just in case. Lately, I have been on a sort of Star Trek The Motion Picture kick. Started off with the poster that we reviewed a couple weeks ago, which was the, the preview, the coming soon Star Trek Motion Picture poster, which was done by a completely different artist than today, different fonts, everything was different about that poster. But what I want to focus on today is the motion picture one sheet, the one that actually was out with most of the, you know, theater locations and the merchandising, the, the videotape cassette, the DVD, the Blu-ray, you know, all the the, the main poster. And that is sometimes uh, you might kind of see it as the, I think some people call it like the rainbow poster. And that is because it has all these colors and then the, the stars of the film. This particular poster was done by Bob Peak. Bob Peak is a giant in the world of movie posters. And by that, I'm talking about films like Apocalypse Now, Enter the Dragon, The Spy Who Loved Me, Funny Girl, Excalibur, Superman... All first six Star Trek films, Rollerball, My Fair Lady. I would say in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, this is one of the giants of poster making. Like Richard Amsell, like John Alvin, like Struzan. This guy was top, 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 top. But as huge as this man was, it is very difficult, and I've, I've looked, to find information about this poster in terms of the design. I've seen lots of alternate versions, and let me describe this poster to you. I would say three quarters of the poster, you have this kind of rainbow streaks coming from the top to the bottom between, let's see, pink and orange and red and and yellow and green and blue, you know, a, a pretty good representation of, of the rainbow with Captain Kirk, Ilya, and Spock. 
in the poster, almost in a V shape. She's in the bottom, they're kind of bigger on the top, on both ends. And then you have the Enterprise underneath, which is the, the Enterprise for this film, the final design, I guess, of this film's Enterprise. And then you have Star Trek, the motion picture, with the Star Trek fonts, the, the fonts that will now be used going forward, starting with this film, as opposed to the television show. And then the little tagline is, there is no comparison. Okay, that's cool. Now, what I've seen, as far as this design goes, is a similar version of this poster, where on the top left, you have the tagline that says, the human adventure is just beginning. Nothing under the name, like I mentioned on the one that I have. I've also seen some alternative versions of this poster. And again, these might have been kind of like work in progress where Spock is on the left, Kirk is on the right, slightly higher, and then Ilea is kind of in the center bottom, like she is kind of more or less in the uh, final version of the poster. Now, there is also a version of this poster floating around where all the heads are pretty much in the same height. Uh, but I believe, again, because of the importance of the characters or maybe the contracts, they wanted to have Kirk and Spock at kind of equal height because of their, again, possibly their contracts. And her slightly lower because she is the lesser known, you know, uh, of the actors there on the poster. What's cool is that you can clearly see Bob Peake's signature at the end of the word Trek on the poster. Very easy to spot. The graphic font is something that he didn't do. That was farmed out to a completely separate company, which then basically came up with the iconic standard Star Trek font. As a matter of fact, the font that was selected was actually created exclusively for this film, which, again, later gets used in, in many of the other films. It is credited to somebody named Richard Foy, who apparently also did some graphic work for the movie Silent Running. And at the time, he was one of the founding uh, members, I guess, of a company called Communication Arts, which I guess specialized in titles and graphics and font creating or something like that that particular font ended up being used like i said uh, afterwards and it is now called galaxy so if you're ever looking for that font it's called galaxy and it has been patented the one in the motion picture poster not only is it that particular font but they also used uh like these technicolor multicolor which again it kind of matches that that rainbow pattern, you know, around the letters to give it a, a slight outline, a very colorful outline. One thing that they noticed here is that maybe it was a trend or or it's part of the whole 70s Star Trek, Star Wars craze that just like in Star Wars, the first letter and the last letter are extended. So it's like a, a very long S for Star and a very long K at the end for Trek, just like Star Wars has those extended parts of their fonts. The inspiration is something that I kept looking for of why that rainbowish kind of design. And even though, like I mentioned before, I have not been able to find a direct quote from Bob Peake as to what led him to this design. 
There are a number of theories out there floating around that people say, oh, it's because of this or it's because of that. One of them is he had done the Superman poster. And if you guys remember, the Superman poster is also a kind of a red, white, and blue streak going through the sky leading to the symbol of Superman. So you can kind of see an almost rainbowy kind of uh, motif on a previous movie that he's done. And in this one, it's really out there. The other thing is, I don't know, could have sw- I'm not entirely sure, but I could have swore... In the 70s, the rainbow color was very prominent in certain things. Not the way that it is today in terms of it having a direct connotation to the LGBTQ community. But in the 70s, it was more almost, I think, as as a symbol of the 70s themselves. A very, you know, open and diverse time. So that could be also part of the inspiration for the poster. The other more, the other prominent and more reasonable explanation I've heard before is also that it is supposed to signify the transporter. So it's almost as if we are watching these three characters being transported in, you know, in front of us. Now, granted, the transporter effect, I don't think, was finalized, at least the, the, the motion picture version of the transporter effect. It wasn't finalized for this, you know, for this poster at the time this poster was being put together. So it could have been the artist's rendition, his interpretation of what the transporter was going to look like. So it's like, okay, that's interesting too. If you guys remember the they did a, the one of the special effects they did for this movie was also a streak that follows the enterprise whenever they're in warp that kind of gives you almost a rainbowy kind of a a strobe color effect. So I doubt that that's what inspired it because I don't know if he would have seen any of those effects while he was putting together the poster, but yeah, that, that does remind me of that, too. So there's plenty of, of possible inspirations for the poster. And it has become a very iconic poster. As a matter of fact, during the promotion period for Star Trek Beyond, uh, they kind of did an homage to this poster, you know, with the new characters for the new film. You know, kind of posed in the same way with the colors kind of going in the same direction. So... Yeah, this is a this is a very like I said very iconic poster. You have the Enterprise right there, which if you remember in the in the preview poster, it was all Enterprise with pictures of the actors. Now you have Enterprise and the drawings of the you could say the three major actors of this film. Like I mentioned, he will go on at this point to draw to put together the six posters for Star Trek you know, the original Star Trek films, you know, all back to back. And and you see, you see his style one after the other, but this is the specific one where it all began. The copy that I have is a reproduction. It's a smaller size than, than the movie typical, you know, larger size. It's a, it's a small, slightly smaller, but for my purposes, it serves me well. And this is a film that I've kind of learned to appreciate more and more little by little again especially since i was reading this you know the special effects and the uh, art of star trek the motion picture and all the insanity talk about talk about not really wanting to know how the sausage is made because it is just incredible 
how many things were done and redone and done in a different direction and a new person and a new crew comes along and redoes it in another way. It's almost as if they've made enough for three movies in terms of how much things change so many times during the pre-production and production of Star Trek The Motion Picture. But yeah, this is definitely a poster. I would say this one and Star Trek II are probably the most recognizable of all of them. Even though this is not the most popular Star Trek film, this is a very iconic poster. Again, those colors, they're there. They're just there in your face, no matter what you do. And there are so many interpretations, again, as to what does that all mean? It's a great beginning for this particular franchise and another great, fantastic poster from Bob Peak. So in the past, we've looked at some Procter & Gamble Star Wars posters that I've never seen before that I was able to acquire recently. And I did mention that the only freebie poster that I was aware of at the time that I was able to actually get was a couple of Empire Strikes Back posters. And that is exactly what we're going to look at today. After putting together that episode, I started looking through eBay and some other sources to see if those posters were around and, you know, how difficult to get they were and that sort of thing. And what I found was that, once again, Procter & Gamble had one of these purchase X amount of products, get a free poster kind of deal. And what you ended up with this time around was The Empire Strikes Back. If you purchase a Crisco oil product, a Duncan Hines moist and easy <laughs> baking product, and a can of Pringles, they would give you four free posters or three packages in any combination. Uh, okay, so uh, you can get three of something. So I don't exactly remember where and how I got them. But obviously, the fact that I got them would tell me that it, it must have been in a supermarket or something like that. Now, you have four posters. The one that I have displayed here is Luke Skywalker and Dago by holding a lightsaber. Then you have C-3PO and R2-D2 in a red background, a promotional kind of picture. Then you have Vader in Bespin, in one of the hallways with a whole bunch of stormtroopers behind them, could be the banquet area in reverse. Could be, I'm not sure. And then you have Han and Leia in the carbon freezing chamber looking at each other. I think you have Chewie in the background with C-3PO hanging off his back and a couple of stormtroopers back there. It's very red and yellow and orange and smoky, you know, that kind of thing. I don't remember having that particular one, but I do remember having those other three, specifically the Luke and the Vader. Now, let me talk a little bit about the Luke one, because it's the one that I'm displaying right now. And it is also the one that I, it is more prominently in my mind in terms of which of these four posters that I actually had. I was able to find a picture through one of my photo albums of when I was, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, something like that. 10? <laughs> it could have been any time. Uh, no, actually, yeah, it would have been probably 10, I imagine, of the Vader one in my room. But what I do remember even more is the Luke one. Like I said, the Luke one was taken on, on the set. And what you have is Luke from, let's say, the knees to top of his head. 
very dark, very moody looking, you know, Dagobah, scary Dagobah, not friendly Dagobah. This is kind of like scary Dagobah. And he is holding the lightsaber. And what's interesting about holding the way that he's holding the lightsaber is that it's pre-lit. You see the blue blade come out of there. But I'm pretty certain that similar to that classic Vader poster that was put out with Vader holding the lightsaber also, you know, when Star Wars came out, I'm pretty certain that this was a, again, not Photoshop because at that point they didn't have Photoshop, but it was a picture that was augmented, painted on, uh, you know, the lightsaber for the purpose of coming up with this poster. And it's especially kind of clear to see that, at least to me, because what you have is him in a profile stance and his hand is wrapped around the, the hilt of the lightsaber. But the top part, the one when you see the top of his hand wrapping around something, it almost looks like he's handling or holding the beam, the lightsaber beam and not so much the hilt, which is completely ridiculous. I'm not entirely sure why would they not extend the lightsaber, even if they have to draw it to give it a little more reality. But here it looks almost as if, if he just moves his finger like an inch, he's going to have his finger burned off. So it's kind of a, an unusual, funny poster. The other thing that I noticed about the poster is that it's a lot smaller than I remember it. And I'm not sure if it's because, again, when you're younger, everything looked a lot bigger. <laughs> I used to say this all the time about like McDonald's or Burger King that everything looks so much smaller now. And when you were smaller, everything looks so much bigger. I don't know if this applies to posters too. Obviously not in terms of this is the size the poster was, like it or leave it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, there it is. That's the way it was. But I did get them through eBay, the three posters, the Vader, C-3PR2, and Luke. Couldn't find the other one. I originally ordered it from a different location, not through eBay, through a, through a private seller. And it was kind of shady because I ordered them and then I never got a message and they never were sent. And it was impossible to get any kind of communication from the seller. So I think uh, that one, I kind of nixed it and then went back to eBay. If I run into the Bespin one, I might pick it up. It doesn't really matter. No big deal. But... This is one of the last times. Uh, I think they did try something like this for Return of the Jedi. I would have to go digging a little deeper. And I could have swore what I saw with the, the sizes were kind of different. They were more like landscape instead of portrait, you know, that you're used to, your typical portrait, you know, sized poster. But this is a, a very, not unusual, but a, a thing of the time. And it's also a, a departure, if you will, uh, you know, from the previous one, which with Star Wars at that time, they were still using artists to draw, to paint, you know, these depictions. Here, it's kind of like they changed gears and they moved on to, all right, let's just take some nice pictures and slap those on a poster, which is a a trend, if you will, that, you know, overall, that's what happened with poster design, not only for the poster itself, for the one sheet, but I guess even in these tie-ins, you got to the point where it was, I guess, cheaper and faster to just use photography. And, and you know, if you need to alter the photography, no big deal. But yeah, the art part kind of went out the window after a while. These posters, if available, 
could be found relatively cheap. I think I got them for like five or six bucks a piece. So they were pretty cheap. They were not in mint condition, obviously. They were rough. Some of them had a couple of rips here or there. I just took some scotch tape from the rear and kind of sealed them up. I don't mind. Again, it is my collection. It is the way I collect these things. I am willing to sacrifice quality for price. You know, I don't, you know, I, I don't need mint condition, you know, $100 posters. I need something that is either a reproduction or an old one that's got a couple of, you know, rips or crickles here or there, you know, no big deal. I'm, I'm cool with that. Again, the display, I'm seeing the display samples online, how you have basically the Vader head with a red background, similar to the droids, and then the sample of the posters underneath, and then, you know, what you need to buy, and then that thing would kind of slide into probably some kind of a cardboard box where all the posters would be inside, where either you slide them, unrolled, or maybe they're already pre-rolled in these little containers. I don't rem again, I don't remember exactly how they were assembled. This is something that, like I said before, it kind of ended around that time. Jedi had one final push of this sort of thing, this sort of tie-in promotional items, but it's the type of thing that I didn't really see much with other franchises later on in the in the 90s or the 2000s or even now uh, I don't see that kind of thing anymore it, it was a practice that saw its peak and it kind of ended but lucky for us poster collectors that these things are so obscure and really not so rare that you can still buy a pretty good version an acceptable version for a decent price and add to your collections. What did I teach you? You are the Duke of New York. You're a number one. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Can you dig it? Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That horn of Satan. <laughs> Oh, really? The Force will be with you, always. All right, I'd like to talk about Star Trek's Vengeance and Star Wars's Revenge. Those are two words that are associated with two films that seem to kind of started in one manner and then had to kind of change for, for different reasons. As you know, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, is one of the best Star Trek films out there. But it had a very bumpy road in terms of the production of the film coming off of the motion picture. They wanted to do something completely different, something more action-ish, and, and they did, and they completely succeeded. In my opinion, in spite of all of the insane obstacles that they had, and something as obscure as just the title of the film is something that went through so many permutations that it was just kind of crazy how things ended up being the way they are. So while Star Trek II is being written, and different people had a hand at writing it, including at one point Nicholas Meyer, who I believe was uncredited, there were a number of titles for the film during the writing process. One of them was The War of the Generations, 
Okay. The Omega System. The Genesis Project. Worlds That Never Were. The new Star Trek. Very original. And The New Frontier. So there, there are elements there that kind of sound familiar that eventually were work their way towards the later films uh, <laughs> or interpretations of Star Trek. But according to Nicholas Meyer, while the film was being shot, the working title was Star Trek II The Undiscovered Country. That's a very familiar sounding title because that's what number six ended up being, The Undiscovered Country. Now, it's kind of difficult to kind of figure out how would it apply so i guess i guess the formation of the of the genesis device is what creates these new countries if you will but yeah it's too it's too local it's too it's too earthy you know that title for the, for this film but apparently after they were done shooting and they're moving, I guess, to the post-production stage of things. Paramount Studios makes an announcement that the, you know, the next film that's coming is going to be called Star Trek The Vengeance of Khan. Of which, Nicholas Meyer was not very happy with it. He felt uh, at the time that they were trying to copy Star Wars. They were trying to Star Wars it up. And the reason being is because around that time... I guess Lucasfilm had announced that their next and final Star Wars film was going to be called Revenge of the Jedi. So, in a way, you have two films, one that's going to come out in 1982 and one that's going to come out in 1983, big tentpole kind of films, very important films, with the word vengeance and the word revenge, you know, you know, on their title, which is somewhat confusing, if you will, and, and, and strange that they would go in this direction. Mayer then suggested even to Paramount, you know, a couple of more ideas. One of them called The Final Frontier. Again, that name is very familiar. That's going to be end up being number five. Escape from Eden. A Matter of Life and Death. The Genesis War. Hmm. Baptism by Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. By March of 1982, they're pretty much dead set on vengeance. The studio wants vengeance. The movie's going to come out in June. They're ready to go. And because they are ready to go, some material already starts to come out with the title Vengeance of Khan. However, one month later, in April, the studio switches gears once again and goes for Wrath of Khan. Again, the theory is that they realized that it was getting too close to Star Wars territory, and they were going to be the ones to back down because their movie was coming out very soon. Now, what that resulted in is certain preliminary materials already started to be trickling out there in terms of, you know, the, the vengeance of Khan. There is a piece of art floating out there that has Star Trek The Vengeance of Khan, which I believe was done by the same agency that Bob Peake used to work for. One of the things about the title was that they they kind of minimized Star Trek and increased Vengeance of Khan, which is something a little unusual because usually for a Star Trek poster, Star Trek is always the lead. And then you have the kind of like the subtitle. So Star Trek, the motion picture, the, the motion picture, it's a subtitle. In, but in this particular 
original rendering of how this was going to be promoted, it was backwards. It was Star Trek that was tiny and the Vengeance of Khan that was going to be bigger. What's also very important about this design is that it was not Star Trek II. At that time, they were trying to stick to original titles. Again, you could say maybe they were trying to copy Star Wars because Star Wars, you know, it wasn't it wasn't called Star Wars 2 The Empire Strikes Back or Star Wars 3 Revenge of the Jedi or Return of the Jedi. It was just the name of it. So it's a, it's a, it's possible that they were kind to stick, you know, that somebody was saying, "Why don't we do it like Star Wars does it?" And even to this day in some of the 70 millimeter prints. And I remember seeing this. I remember every now and then I would watch Star Trek 2 and it would be like Oh, that's weird. How come they never bothered putting the... What What happened a few times is when you have the movie title, you know, the star background, and it would say Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, and it would not have the number two attached. Uh, that is something that was added later for other prints. But some of those earlier prints, I do remember that the the, the, the number two was not attached. Another thing that at the time actually had Vengeance, the Vengeance of Khan, where a set of Corgi diecast ships, uh, I believe there was like an Enterprise and maybe a Klingon ship, possibly, even though I don't think there were any Klingons, not entirely sure. Now, the word Vengeance, even though they scrapped it, you know, for, for, for the movie, for, for the promotion of the movie, for the movie in general, period. It's funny because it kind of makes its way into the poster in a in a kind of sideways fashion. The one sheet, the one that I talked about a while back, the one that has all the pictures around it and all the different scenes and stuff like that, has the tagline on top that says, At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. So they were able to use the word vengeance anyway as a tease, and then the word wrath <laughs> right there. So they they you know they were they they managed to do that. And it is kind of rare. Every now and then you might be able to find a, a poster that says Vengeance. It's not a full, like I said, it's not a full-blown one-sheet. It's more of a sample artwork of, of fonts, really, of how they're going to put together the title in terms of, okay, this is one possible way of displaying it. But it's very interesting that the movie went through so many possible titles and the fact that even the director... If it was up to him, you never would have had that title. And eventually, you know, when he directs Star Trek VI, he's able to call the movie The Undiscovered Country, which is what Star Trek II was supposed to be called in the first place. Now, as I mentioned, this movie is competing with Revenge of the Jedi. And at the time, Revenge lasted quite a bit. Revenge of the Jedi was the working title of the film. I know that they also have Blue Harvest because that was kind of like the secret title of the film. The the title they were throwing around for people not to bug them while they're shooting you know, out in the woods. And the story goes that at some point, close to the end, you know, close to the release of the film, Lucas pulls the plug on Revenge and calls it Return because he has an epiphany that Jedis do not take revenge. It's a little too dark, a little too aggressive. It should be Return of the Jedi. Okay, fine. So it's interesting how those two films eventually back off from that initial title uh, <laughs> that, that they were both kind of shooting for at the same time. I know different words, but same kind of meaning. At least Wrath of Khan kind of stayed with 
a different word, but meaning the same thing. But with Star Wars, revenge turned to return, completely different meaning, completely different, you know, intent. Now, for Star Wars, the revenge title made it way, way, way past a lot more merchandisable and promotional material than in Star Trek. Star Trek had very minimal vengeance materials, but in the Star Wars side, off the bat, you have a Struzan poster for Revenge of the Jedi. It's a classic poster, you know, the Red Vader, Luke and, and Vader fighting, and it says Revenge of the Jedi. We talked about this poster. Again, it's a classic poster. I know that some of the action figures teased Revenge of the Jedi on the card. For example, the mail-in your proofs of purchase to Kenner to get a free near numb figure from Star Wars, Revenge of the Jedi with proofs of purchase. Yes, you're going to start seeing some of this in their promotional material. There was also an Admiral Akbar free Revenge of the Jedi figure. You know, the, the Revenge title, like I said, got pretty far along. They never finalized them to the point where they put them on a card. You know, these were kind of like stickers that they were adding to the front of the card. And in the back, yes, it was printed in the back, but they were never using the logo, the Revenge logo, you know, the Star Wars with the race car stripes and that kind of stuff. That never finally made it. Later on, you know, a couple years ago, you know, they did release some figures with the Revenge name on them. And if you think about it, eventually Lucas was able to use the word Revenge for Revenge of the Sith because it made more sense. It's the Sith that is having revenge. There are other examples, a lot of like stationery and buttons and t-shirts and hats, you know, not mass produced, but you will find some of those out there. There were some costumes and masks, you know, those cheapy old ones they used to have back then, those, those rubber plastic ones, you know, stuff like that. I do have, I do remember a Star Wars re-release poster. I think it was 1982 re-release that has the Star Wars miniature junk poster in it, the artwork for that, and it's all in blue around it. And then there's a red banner that says, watch special preview of Revenge of the Jedi. And that was, I remember seeing it. I remember I went to see the movie just to see it, but primarily to get to see that trailer for the Revenge of the Jedi. The Revenge of the Jedi trailer, the initial one, does have Revenge of the Jedi. And the, the voiceover, the narrator says, revenge, revenge, revenge. Is all that revenge stuff. As a matter of fact, I remember we did a show about this a while back, a long time ago, that that is the trailer also that has Luke in Tatooine in the Jabba's sail barge fighting with his lightsaber that is colored blue. Because remember back then, they were thinking that he was going to be using his traditional blue lightsaber and they realized that blue lightsaber against blue sky doesn't look too good. And then they changed it to green and they had to work it into the story of why green and all that stuff. But that was, I remember, yeah, that was a, a most definitely a situation where they were pushing and pushing and pushing the action figure cards again never released but you could go to some of these collecting sites where they had proof cards prepped with revenge on them you know revenge logo on them those again never made it tons of press kits promotional theatrical programs stuff like that that would have been what what would be coming out soon you know making it into the very limited market. Obviously, the fan club was promoting it as revenge at first. Anything we saw had the word revenge on it. So, you know, nothing nothing earth-shattering about that. And that is why now, you know, 
after the movie came out and after the movie had the Return of the Jedi logo on it, anything with revenge is considered to be rare and probably pretty expensive, as long as it's authentic, of course. But yeah, again, we're dealing with a situation where, you know, they end up changing the name for different reasons. One, because it doesn't want to compete with the other. The other, because they just changed their mind. It's interesting to know if they would have gone with Return of the Jedi from the start, would Star Trek II stuck with Vengeance? Because it seems to me like the, the, the Vengeance got axed because of Revenge of the Jedi. But overall... You will find more Revenge of the Jedi merchandise and materials than you will Vengeance. Vengeance is is very minimal. Star Trek, the films had not yet been the success they wanted them to be. The motion picture didn't blow things up the way they wanted it. Star Trek II will do that, but at that time they did not know that. So I would say if any of you have any material... With Revenge of the Jedi, that's original. Hang on to it, because that's a very... It's a very good collectible. It might be valuable, but even more rare, I would say, would be anything that says Vengeance of Khan. Might be uh, worth looking into those Corgi ships, see if they're around, because that would be a very rare, unused title that was actually slapped on a merchandisable item. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We looked at posters of the month with the Star Trek motion picture one-sheet theatrical release, the Bob Peak rainbow poster that I, I absolutely love. I'm glad I have the, this reproduction of it. And I'm glad I was able to find some information about it. It was so difficult, again, to get, you know, information, you know, from the horse's mouth. But there was enough theories out there in terms of people's thoughts or people's knowledge, indirect or direct knowledge of how this poster came about in the design. And also the Empire Strikes Back Luke Dagobah poster that, again, was very sentimental to, to me. I actually had it in my room and to be able to have it again, you know, in my office, it's just very strange. And, and it, again, to me, it looks so small now. It looks tiny. I was a much smaller person back then. Then also we looked at the Revenge versus Vengeance. Uh, obviously, the, the revenge side of the story was very prominent to me because, you know, I was consuming Star Wars nonstop. And I knew of all the different little steps that got us to Return of the Jedi. But on the Star Trek side, the vengeance of Khan was something that was completely uh, new to me up until a couple years ago where I read something somewhere about how they had to adjust their names because of the fact that Star Wars already had picked revenge. And then I found out all the other names that the, the movie was being considered. And again, all of the back and forth between Nicholas Meyer and Paramount and all the different opinions and what the name should be and what it should have this and should it have the number two and should it have the name Star Trek and shouldn't it or should it and how some of these other alternate names ended up finding their way back to future films. Again, very interesting. Sometimes, you know, we always say that it's it's sometimes it's better not to know how the sausage is made because it it it's really amazing that when you have a final product and that is a final product and you always feel like, wow, this is amazing, it's wonderful, and they did it perfectly. But you never really know, or sometimes want to know, all the fights and battles and conflicts that occur in order to get to that final place of the final look of the final product. But in this case, we're talking about two films that are 
fantastic as far as I'm concerned in terms of, uh, you know, on the Star Trek side, Wrath of Khan being practically the best of all the original films, and on Star Wars, a great ending to that trilogy with Return of the Jedi, and also how those words that were meant to be used and then weren't used come back later with, like I said before, Revenge of the Sith. I guess Vengeance wasn't much uh, used uh, title-wise, but I do remember, I think the Vengeance was the name of uh, the ship on Into Darkness of the bad guy ship. As they redid Wrath of Khan, they kind of brought back the word Vengeance in a sneaky little way, which is, again, it's just bizarre little funny trivia. So, on behalf of everyone here, thanks for listening, and we will see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The next chapter in the Star Wars saga, Revenge of the Jedi. The battle between good and evil rages on. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2, and Darth Vader. A journey to alien worlds. against oppression, an epic of heroes and villains, an adventure as vast as the universe. Revenge of the Jedi, coming May 25th to a theater in your galaxy. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2021. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. <laughs>